This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Welcome to Reporters Without Orders, where we discuss what made news, what didn't and what absolutely shouldn't have. Today, we're going to delve into two very crucial reports presented by two brilliant journalists, Tomeda from News Laundry and Karishma Merotra of Washington Post's South Asia Bureau. First, we delve into Sumeda's thorough exploration of how all India Radio's content and biases have transformed under the BJP's reign since 2014, and then into Karishma's detailed probe into India's bold journey to electrify its rural expanse with solar power. Hi, Karishma. How are you? Good. How are you? Welcome to News Laundry. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Sumeda. How are you? Hi, Gurmahar. How are you doing today? Good. You look Thinking quiet. about the next report. Think about the next report. But we're <laughs> That's what with reporters. As as it is. and But we're going to come back to your last one because yeah. I know you spend quite a long time yeah. and lots of energy, lots of passion as well into it. Yeah. So you know, your, your report, it discusses a significant change in content direction of the All India Radio. So maybe can you take us back to the beginning and what initially prompted you to delve into this topic? Uh, because at News Laundry, you know, like we, everybody knows that uh, we keep a hawk's eye on media. So we do cover like the private media a lot, like on a daily basis. So I was thinking like, why not to shift this time our lens towards the state broadcaster? So we have been like Basanta, my colleague who does like fan- phenomenal reporting on Doodarshan and other reports and other reporters as well. So this time, like, I thought, you know, like, probably Akashwani would be interesting. Like, why not to look at there? And we also have, you know, PM Modi's Man Ki Baat. So I was very curious to know that after Man Ki Baat, you know, like, are there any other programs which revolve around Prime Minister Modi? And uh, where did this idea come up from? Who is the producer of Prime uh, of Man Ki Baat? What is his idea about Narendra Modi? And, you know, like, what are the changes after Man Ki Baat? Have the, has the revenue increased of All India Radio? So I was, like, very, like, curious. Then I pitched it to my editors. They were, like, also super excited about the story. And then they said, yeah, yeah, please go ahead. This would be interesting. Was this your first long form for NL? Uh, this was my first paywall, but not long form. Like I have done a couple of long forms. Yeah, yeah. but this was behind the pay- this is behind the paywall. Yeah. Okay, so guys, you'll have to subscribe to News Laundry to read this. Yeah. But it's a very interesting piece, and I think I do want to go back to something very interesting that you found. And I want to understand how were you able to obtain the statistics regarding the search and broadcast featuring the PM? Did you have like access to Akashwani's internal reports or was it or did you use some other methods? Yeah, like this question has been asked by a lot of people who have read this report. So we have mentioned a very interesting figure that the broadcast featuring Prime Minister Modi has increased by 528% in comparison to 2013. So this number is not anywhere. Like we got annual reports of Akashwani and they are public documents. So what we did is like we I read the annual report of 2013 and then I read the annual report of last annual report which is available on the website is 2019. So I went through that annual report. Both the annual reports mention what they have uh, done under UPA and this 2019 annual report mentions what they have done under NDA government. So I went through that then I said then there was a section of you know live telecast featuring or recordings of of Prime Minister in 2013. So then I found there were only seven of that. And mm-hmm. in 2013's report, annual yeah. report. And then I saw in 2019 report, the number was, I think, 44 or 47. That's a significant jump. It's a significant yeah. jump from 7 to 44 or like 47. Like I'm yeah. forgetting, I'm getting confused between 44 and mm. 47. It's a significant jump. Then I was talking to sources and I was saying, you know, I have got this number of 528%. Is it right? And these sources are not like, you know, like like anchors or presenters, but they are like the 
top most officials at all india radio and they said yeah it has increased by over 500% so these, this is not like some internal report is just that you know i've got like these are publicly available documents so then it's up to the reporters how they use that document yeah. so you just had like the eye to comb through the numbers yeah yeah, yeah. you also mentioned speaking to around 30 current and ex employees yeah. of the akashvani so maybe can you tell us a bit more uh-huh. and you briefly did mention the information that the ex employees and the senior officials gave you but yeah. could you mention a bit more about the process of finding and speaking to these sources um uh-huh. did they come forward willingly because i mean I, i would imagine there must be some hesitance there yeah. um or did they like did you face any resistance in trying to like coax them yeah actually this was again like my yeah. fear when i had started the report i was like i don't know yeah like if anybody would talk to me will i hit a roadblock and you know what would happen and then like there was this one person who was like very vocal about uh what's happening inside all india radio and then i was like okay so i talked to him then he gave me no- numbers of three more people okay then i was like okay let me talk to them and they, but they were all you know like um, employees at the level of presenter or editors but i wanted to talk to the officials at the level of additional director generals or director general like they tell you like where the directions come from and who's pulling the who's pulling the strings yeah. yeah so that kind of an information so that was like i was like very hesitant like i was like no i don't think so like the current because for this report it's very important for the current employees also to talk to us so i was very hesitant like will they talk will they not talk because my experience from the government institutions as a reporter in today's time is not that good like there's certainly like a wall like has been created like it's not easy for reporters to get to talk to to get to talk to people inside the institutions mm-hmm. but to my surprise i was like totally surprised in this case uh, i somehow got access in access inside the all india radio office really yeah how did you manage that that like i can't reveal that you can't reveal I that i can't okay. reveal that so i somehow got like so two days i spent inside akashvani studio uh, not studio but inside their office, o- office yeah. and uh, it's a good like it's a, it's an iconic building now it's an unesco heritage Amir, site yeah, yeah i can imagine yes. so much has happened through the through that yeah um, yeah so I somehow got access to it through contacting officials they said yeah yeah you can come for the interview and all and then to my surprise i started you know i sat in the canteen i started talking to people and most of them they were so frustrated okay about what like they were so frustrated that they said that you know like our creativity has been somehow smashed and we are now revolving around one person and it's not good and that person is the prime minister that person is the prime minister like we are continuously churning out content around the prime minister and it's like you know it's frustrating like you they are saying that we are just doing this day and day in and day out and there is no and we are not able to execute like like the programs creatively like that roadblock like i don't know like how do we, how do i put it like but then they were so frustrated and they themselves wanted to talk up and then when i told them so this is my story earlier like in the first hour of my conversation with them i didn't tell that this is exactly what i want to do because i was also skeptical but then they said but someone needs to do this that someone yeah. needs to do this this is a story which is waiting to be told Yeah and you did it and yeah. you know it's and uh, when i shared the story with them they were so happy I also want to know that's quite strange because you would imagine everyone's very protective huh. of their jobs of their opinions and i would imagine i think there's this perception that everyone who's in the government or in services of hmm. some sort hmm. or adjacent to the government they agree with everything that's happening or they agree with the the prime minister yeah. and the office and the ministries etc but i think you do 
bring in a very interesting lens where you know there are these people who worked in these services for so mm. long but they don't quite agree with this and there is a lot of brewing frustration there lots and lots of like you enter akashvani office and people are just like they are so frustrated they are like like that's why we haven't taken uh, reveal their names and their identities because as as reporters we have to protect our sources and to confirm our and to con- co- corroborate everything we were getting that's why we have spoken to so many people so, so like how, 30 you, people 30 people 30 people like yeah. like we have their recordings so It's you just know like we can't reveal their identity you can't reveal their identity yeah. yeah so their main concern was that you know like they said that we are state broadcaster we know that we know that we cannot be that media house which is which is going to question the authority we know that hmm. but there is a big change it was not like this and the best quote which has been given by one of the former official was like it's a top official he said that all gov- that all governments have used the state broadcaster as a hen with a golden egg very interesting okay and but this is the only government who wants that hen to lay all the golden eggs in one day that's the difference that's that quote reveals so much about the workings and sort of directions that this government has been giving and i feel like as consumers we do see patterns yeah. from the outside we but do. for but for to sort of see what it is on the production and is quite interesting and the all the comments you go through on this report are like you know we ha- like like we have also put out a video like a 3 minute video explaining what the report is going to be about and all the comments i was going through all the youtube comments they are like on and all the twitter comments they are all saying that thank you for doing this we have been noticing this pattern for so long that every news bulletin starts from pradhan mantri and it ends with pradhan mantri what what is happening thank you thank you so much um in you've done a brilliant report on failing solar grids in india but i'm very interested to know what initially drew you to this topic and why do you think it's so important to bring it to light yeah so like a lot of stories that we do it usually comes from previous reporting um so i did a story on decentralized renewable energy about 2 years ago for scroll um and so that story was also in jharkhand um it was a bit more of a positive story but uh that story was more just what does the green transition mean for some of india's poorer states that are often also the coal centers of india and what what is the green transition looking like there so jharkhand doesn't have any utility scale solar it doesn't have any you know big on grid sites um and through that reporting i discovered that while the private uh models work uh pretty well there are problems there too in terms of finding and seeing and figuring that out but sort of enterprises had started out but the majority of um the off grids in a place like Jharkhand are government run so that story i had started to hear actually not immediately about the fact that there were these abandoned grids but what i was hearing was a lot of difficulty in getting local communities to trust um solar um and one could say maybe there's a lot of misinformation about solar as well in the fact that a lot of people thought okay you know this isn't going to work this isn't real electricity if you bring this in will we get conventional electricity later so those types of issues i had heard about from some of the folks who were working on this so then i uh, and continued to meet the folks in the renewable authority of chadgand um reached out to some other states and areas as well some other experts in climate just to see like how widespread is this sort of community distrust and that's when i realized oh a lot of that is centered on the fact that the grids off grids don't work in many places the government ones at least and while some aspects of the distrust has sort of been solved but the fact that these government 
uh, mini grids don't work was something that I saw was pretty fairly widespread. Um, there's one exception, main exception to that, that everyone brings up, which is quite surprising. But in Chetliskud, actually, they they tend to work quite well. Um, but I, I thought it was important. I think one thing at the post that um, they're trying to focus on is as we try and solve um, this green transition and as we try and combat climate change um, and have an energy transition, what are some of the sort of um, unintended consequences that come from that and how can we do it in the way that's the least problematic that we can choose because there are many different paths that we can choose of how to achieve the green transition um, and I think it's worth it to talk about the fact that that those processes might not be perfect and so to give maybe just a couple other examples that the paper has been doing that have been great stories in a similar theme involve this series on electric um, electric vehicles and the minerals that go into, um, for example, the batteries. And um, my colleague at the Delhi Bureau traveled to Afghanistan and did this great story on lithium mining in Afghanistan that's somewhat being cornered by China. So these are the types of stories that I think as we progress, I mean, we journalists, I think early on, we're doing a lot of the stories about the effects of climate change. And I think those stories are still more important, but our readers are not really drawn anymore unless you have great visuals and unless you do it in a new multi-platform format. Um, readers don't want to read a simple text story, text story, unfortunately, on, you know, the, the fish are no more and the water is rising and the glaciers are melting like that's a really difficult sell, I think. So I think the things to focus on, of course, along with the big climate disasters and catastrophes that we still see is, A, the continuing inputs to climate change, um, coal, oil, gas, et cetera, like all of these things still exist, um, of course. And then two, the like I said, the unintended consequences of our green transition and how do we do it better? That sounds so exciting. It's so exciting to one read. It's so exciting to see these experimentations happening with reports where, where, where you're going almost like multidiscipline, interdisciplinary ways of, and you're approaching it. But I think what I also do want to look at is, you know, your story, just coming back to it. Can you share how you navigated maybe the complexities of covering a topic that very much like your form combines multiple other things, which is technology, infrastructure, local governments, national governments, um, and also such a human experience in a setting that's that remote? Yeah, so I think uh, one of the things that helped is in previous stories that I've done on climate, often at the end of my interviews, uh, and I've sort of built up a network of people who work on climate issues in India. So at my end of interviews for other stories with them or in just casual conversations, I would ask about this story just to see, okay, am I going in the right direction? So it was actually months of, I wouldn't even call it reporting, I would just call it putting feelers out for a long time. And definitely trying to get uh, the government side as well. So I did work to make sure I understood what was happening in the Jharkhand Renewable Authority. And so one of the things, because it's a complex issue and because you are dealing with not only government, but many private enterprises, I actually received a lot of criticism on this story, surprisingly. And that uh, came from mostly private 
um, solar enterprises who felt like my story was overly negative and didn't highlight the positives of what's also happening in the solar decentralized and off-grid space in India. And I think that is something that's difficult in our profession to deal with in that we have a limited amount of space and diminishing level of attention spans in our readers. And we don't we don't prioritize the positive things because, um, and it's a tricky one, but at the end of the day, if I only have, let's say, a 1500 word story that I can tell the reader about the problems happening in the world and the pressing questions of our time, um, I'm unfortunately not going to spend much time on these are the things that are going well. Um, I am going to spend more time on these are the questions we need to ask and these are the things we need to be prepared for. And so I think I think it was legitimate criticism for the most part. And thankfully, a lot of it was respectful. Um, some of it, not so much. But um, I do think that, uh, yeah, that was quite complex with the story in that you have many players and it's not just the government, but the government is the main player in this space. And also the fact that we're talking about the poorest of the poor. Um, and in those regions and villages, private enterprises aren't reaching them. They're not going to places where there is virtually no business model that you can create there to fund this. That's not to say that's the only place that the government is going, but in and and the and that's what's so layered about India. Many of the private enterprises are going to very poor areas. Um, so it's not like they're not solving a business model in very tricky situations, but in many situations where there um, is no private um, enterprise happening, the government is trying to provide electricity. And the way that they're going about it is this off-grid system and they don't have the proper incentives and business models in place to make sure that the third party providers can maintain the grids, um, not even, I mean, let alone beyond five years, even within the five years that the contract is assigned for. Yeah, thank you so much, Karishma, for sort of explaining the complexities to us. I mean, it makes so much sense that you would get criticism or hate from these industries because obviously they've put so much, they've had so much investment in it. But I think now just coming back to you, Sumedha, um, I want to know what kind of challenges did you face during the process of gathering and verifying your information? Uh, there was no such like challenge in like verifying our information because like whatever con content Akashwani produces, it goes out on air. So like everything was publicly available and like the other way we could corroborate like how like what kind of changes uh, they have made in their programming and producing content. We could uh, corroborate by going through their previous annual reports before 2014 so like that's how we could you know like fact check uh, fact check how what changes have um, come into Akashwani post Narendra Modi has become the prime minister and yeah. we have spoken to 30 officials so we were like asking there was a certain set of questions which we were asking to all officials like yeah. like a common set of questions you know like then if we get one information so they all corroborated that these are the major changes these are the changes in the news like we have been asked to ensure that you know the first new first news bulletin should be about prime minister and then we would you know like then i listened to all news bulletins for seven days and three there are three news bulletins so we listened to 21 news bulletins and we found that in 15 or 14 out of 21 like the first headline was about prime minister yeah i think a lot of what your report hinges on and sort of argues in a way is also 
the increase in right wing leaning appointees in key roles within the Prasar Bharti. Yeah. Could you maybe delve a bit more into why you believe this no. is the case and maybe how has it influenced editorial direction? Yeah, yeah. So these people who joined Prasar Bharti, I think we should not reveal their names. We should let uh, listeners should go to our report, report and yeah. see like who these people are. So these people were not like like the chairman at the directorial or the chairman or the CEO position. Like they didn't have any direct RSS links, but the people who were brought as part-time board members of Prasar Bharti, they had RSS links. Like one of them was also editor of Organizer, which is a mouthpiece of RSS magazine. So these people had links with RSS, but there was no direct link for chairman and or ceo but like a couple of people told us that um former chairman of prasar bharti during the meetings he would openly talk about his political inclinations mm. he would say that there's this one quote this came from a top official of akashwani former top official and he was he was working with akashwani till 2018 or 2019 and he had been with akashwani for three decades so he has seen akashwani under multiple governments so he told us that it was it it was not that like the chairman would tell them that you know like we have now Mr. Modi in power and this is people's mandate. So we should follow people's mandate. That they would be shocked. Like like there has always been yeah. people's mandate in, in this country. But that it's, doesn't it's, mean, a, it's, yeah. it's a democracy. So it's an electoral democracy. So what does that mean? So he would openly talk about his political inclination. So that, you know, like even if these people are not passing any any orders unwritten, it says that, you know, like these are like indirectly they're telling you, you know, like which that you can't toe the line and you have to follow certain directions now. Yeah. Um, but also, Karishma, just coming back to you, I do want to know that during your investigation, you also found a law, large number of solar installations that not working. Um, so how did it fail to see these renewable energy efforts failing? And maybe also what impact do you think this reality might have on the global push for sustainable energy? Yeah, I mean, I think more than seeing the grids, it was hearing from the people around the grids and there. I mean, electricity is one of many problems that they're dealing with. But the narratives around solar um, and especially the government providing solar is quite a problem i think they they do recognize that okay i can i can purchase my own solar panel and put it on my own rooftop and that will most likely work and i'll have access to the spare parts or the technicians that i need to maybe solve that but why is this government grid um not working and uh they sort of become this this association and and it fits in i mean for them it's not just the grid that's not working it's also maybe the government toilet and the government you know gas cylinder that they can't refill and so there's multiple layers of the development around them that is uh and eventually does sort of um crack away but um yeah so i think the the implications for this is that if we're going to move forward on solar and if we want the government to be a large part of that we're definitely going to have to receive community trust and community engagement. And there are models that people are working on that, that could potentially solve this, ways in which the community might feel more ownership over the grid rather than the community feeling like the government owns the grid and is giving it to us. Um, and when the community feels more ownership, are there more ways in which they tend to ensure its maintenance is provided for? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it, it delves into larger scale questions about um, development models in India and which models work and which models intersect with um, the green transition well. You know, I think those are the big implications. 
I think it's so interesting how both your stories, on one hand, we've got Sumedha's stories on the All India Radio and how that has been used as the Prime Minister's mouthpiece. On the other hand, we have the story of India being having this major push in renewable energy, moving away from fossil fuels and that failing. You know, and I'm very interested, Karishma, because just sort of like thinking about the kind of efforts that are going in within the All India Radio space. And All India Radio is something that is heard across India, particularly a lot in rural parts of India where you don't maybe have internet, where you don't have TVs, but you've got this, right? And, you know, Karifa, you do speak a lot about the frustrations that people are feeling with um, the failure of this big developmental push. Um, I also wonder, I mean, did, did you ever notice the impact of, um, I mean, I wouldn't say PR efforts, but the sort of efforts that the government is making or putting through, let's say, Doordarshan or um, All India Radio uh, in terms of the brilliant work that they're doing. Yeah, but the places I went don't have any electricity. So they're not really watching TV or radio. I mean, um, they're barely being able to charge their mobiles uh, using some sort of juga to be able to do that. So uh, I didn't ask them on this. I mean, I will say, so first of all, just 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 to clarify, I don't think that India's green transition is in any way failing. I think India is actually doing a lot of interesting and great work towards the green transition. It's by no means a bad player in the world on this. This is one aspect of the green transition that may require um, some uh, course correction. Um, on the issue of PR, I mean, whenever anyone goes to villages, you know, you see the Swachh toilet and you see the Avas Yojana sign and you see that this this road was made by this scheme and you see which MLA's name is here and there. So even our, in our cities, I mean, we see like my road has the MLA's name very clearly written in his face, very broadly programmed. <laughs> claimed. So um, yeah, I think no matter what, and especially in rural areas, because so much is provided by the government, there's always some sort, there's always clear claims of this was a scheme provided to you. And that's, um, or or even let's say a Norega project, like Norega is, is also clearly labeled. So yeah, but I, I did not speak to them about this aspect. Um, and again, I think we're talking the, the layer, the, the segment of society that I'm talking about, I think, is a bit different than the segment, uh, you know, listening to the radio and watching the version. Yeah, no, that that does make sense. I think this my next question, of course, is to both of you, especially, you know, as we're sort of coming to the end of the podcast, um, what aspect of the report or writing this report in your investigation surprised you the most? Sure. Um, I I sort of talked about it already. I was surprised by the backlash afterwards. Um, I think that maybe we aren't writing enough stories about like, even though people are are in their best intentions to try and solve this problem, um, there are issues in which in the strategies that we're using. Um, And so I was a bit surprised by the response from solar industry players and solar experts that perhaps were taken aback by the criticism. And like I said, they just felt like it was overly negative and sort of was cherry picking the negative stories. But I don't think the data really backs that up because at the end of the day, like I said, the government is the main player in off-grid and the government grids are not operating at the capacity that they should. So I think for me, that was that was a surprise, surprising learning um, is that, you know, stories about 
government and politics are not the only ones that will receive backlash. Um, any industry that you write about, people can be quite sensitive about how that reflects on their industry. Yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. Uh, it's very interesting. And I wanted to I wanted to know if it made you look at your report in a different way, but of course you did answer that in your in your comment. But I also want to know how it is, you know, how does the situation that you've uncovered reflect on larger global issues surrounding the transition to renewable energy? And you're of course you're someone from the States and you've traveled quite a bit. I would love to know what you think on think about this shift and maybe looking at it from a global lens. Like I said, there's so many pathways to the green transition. Um, that I think it's worth being critical of which pathway and which models and which strategies we use to achieve it. Um, and we should be asking questions about, you know, where do the minerals come from for our EV batteries and what will happen to coal jobs and how do we maintain solar panels and solar systems through their entire life cycle? Um, like these are questions I think we now need to start asking so that it's not just because we've chosen a path doesn't mean that that path is necessarily perfect. Um, and I think we should be open to the fact that uh, they're pressing questions even as we move towards the energy transition. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karishma. Now, I think coming back to you, Sumedha, yeah. thing you found most surprising. We saw Arkar's photograph in the office of Manohar Singh Rawat, who's the head of the Delhi Stations program. That's so mad. Yeah, yeah he has been at uh, All India Radio for, I think, two over two decades. I don't remember. We have mentioned that in our story. And uh, his room is basically a reflection of different governments he has worked under. They, you'll find, you'll, the moment you'll enter that his room, you'll find a picture of Jawaharlal Nehru with All India Radio Mike. Then along with that, there's a picture of Sadar Vallabhbhai Patel. Then there's a picture of Mahatma Gandhi. Then obviously there's a picture of Narendra Modi. Like it all makes sense. And uh, he is the one who's the producer, who has been the producer of Prime Minister's Man Ki Baat. Along with Narendra Modi's picture, there's a picture of Veer Savarkar. And when I asked him, sir, like why you have placed Veer Savarkar's frame and uh, is it an official order? Then he, he fell silent. He didn't reply to my question. And then there was another person who was sitting next to him, a program executive. Um, and then he said that this frame has been gifted. And then I said, but you must be receiving a lot of gifts every on a daily basis. You don't place all your gifts in your room. What does it say? And he said, no, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything he didn't at say, all. I think his silence speaks a lot. Speaks a lot. No, but thank you both of you for joining me in our episode for Reporters Without Orders today. And I think before we move on to my favorite section, which is recommendations. Karishma, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I have two. One is a book I read last year called Last Among Equals about, um, it's about basically politics and caste in Bihar and this uh, electrician Sanjay Sahani from Delhi who ends up starting one of the largest Narega movements and RTI movements in um, Bihar. So that was a great book. And then the uh, film I loved recently was Joyland, the Pakistani film. And I've seen it multiple times and every time it blows me away. So those would be my two recommendations. Oh, thank you. And you'll have to you'll have to send me that link to Joyland. I still haven't watched it. I really yeah, need same. to. Yeah, same. Yeah, like it's like it's also on my recommendation. Where did you watch it, Karishma? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. Well, actually, the first time no, the first time I watched it was was um, at the Dharamshala Film Festival. Okay, okay. 
Very it was being screened at IHC also, but I couldn't attend that screening. Yeah, I could, oh, recently. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a great film. And what are your recommendations? I watched Oppenheimer. I don't think but that counts as a recommendation. I couldn't read anything. I feel I like that's marketed too much. You'll yeah. have to give something else. Yeah, I'm giving something else. It's uh, today's Indian Express report on Supreme Court's yesterday's proce- proceedings on manipur petitions where the attorney general has mentioned that we are in the midst of a war. For him to say, like he said this in a different context, but for him to say we are in the midst of the war and anything CJ speaks, like he should be careful about it. Like he said something like that, but his sentence that we are in the midst of a war talks a lot about like the government has basically accepted that we are in the midst of a war. That's, so I think everybody should read what has happened in Supreme Court yesterday on many petitions. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely do. It. Anyway, my recommendations for this week. Um, is this book that I read, Yellow Face? I don't know if I've recommended it sometime before on RWO, but uh, yeah, it's a book called Yellow Face. I'm really enjoying it. It's great. It's a bit on publishing, and I think journalism works kind of in similar ways. So if, if you're into reading, maybe read that. Thank you so much, Sumedha, and thank you, Karishma, both of you. Thank you. Um, thank you. Hi, everyone. We have an announcement to make. This August, you can celebrate the spirit of Independence Day with News Laundry. We are starting a special Independence Day campaign from August 5 to August 20. And in this campaign, you'll get specially curated hampers of news laundry merchandise for yourself and for the proud member of community that keeps independent media alive. These hampers include news laundry merchandise such as t-shirts, backpacks, comics, mug and many more such things. The hampers are at very discounted rate. One is for rupees 2200 and the other is for 5200 rupees and don't miss this offer. You can check our website, go to our website newslaundry.com. You'll find all the merchandise there. The link is in the description below. Thank you. And I guess with that this podcast is adjourned. News Laundry is possible because of our paying subscribers. We don't run on corporate or government ads. You too can be part of changing the news model. Go to newslaundry.com/slash-subscription. Be a part of the community that pays to keep news independent. For the smoothest news laundry experience, download our app, watch our shows, listen to our podcasts, read our reports, stay informed, pay for news, protect democracy, save the world.